Good evening. Uh, let's um, go ahead and grab our Bibles. And if you can turn to Luke chapter 20. Luke chapter 20 for our study tonight. We are continuing to make our way through the Gospel of Luke. And we're in chapter 20. And as I mentioned, it's been a, a great journey here. And we're getting toward the end. Uh, um, we're in the last chapters or so here. Uh, but we're going to actually um, take another section here in chapter 20. Um, I already prayed for the word, so we're going to get right into it. Uh, tonight, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 20 from verse 27 through 40. And actually, the title of our message is Life After Death. Life After Death. You know, several years ago, there was this poll taken with about from... Uh, by 8,000 people, um, over 8,000 people from 23 countries in the world to find what people really believe about the afterlife. The interesting thing to me was there was 51% that believed that there is definitely some kind of afterlife after we die. But 23% believe they just cease to exist. You just disappear you're gone and 26 percent simply said they don't know what will happen after death so is there life after death is there afterlife well believers in jesus we know that after we die there is life there's life with god to be absent from the bodies to be present with the lord we're, we're going to be with jesus so we know that scripture tells us that the saved will go and be with god in heaven but what is that like? What is, what is that going to be like? I mean, you ever wonder that? Will we know each other? Will we really be able to recognize each other? I mean, I might look way younger and everything, but, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, 20-something maybe. I think we might talk a little bit about that on Sunday. But, but are we going to recognize each other or what? Or, you know, are we going to be like angels and fly around and, you know, Play the harp, and are we going to have wings and all that? Um, what is it going to be? In class one day, the children were asked to give their take on angels. And I like, um, uh, I was reading several comments that were turned in about that, but I like something that uh, Matthew, age nine, wrote. And he wrote this It's not easy to become an angel. First, you die. <laughs> then you go to heaven and then there's still the flight training to go through and then you got to agree to wear those angel clothes i guess he doesn't like angel clothes i thought that was cute well as we continue in our study in the gospel of luke jesus is asked a question about that that brings up things about life after death that's our title of our message tonight again we're going to be looking at luke chapter 20 from verse 27 through verse 40 and our outline tonight is this and this is our sections and it's pretty simple number one the controversy number two the correction and number three the confirmation so those are the three things we're going to see in our outline that's the idea of these three sections so let's begin here life after death the number one in our outline the controversy the controversy now if you're taking notes uh, we're going to be covering uh, Luke chapter 20 from verse 27 to 33 in this first section 27 through 33 under uh, uh, the controversy but let's first begin with verse 27 
Luke chapter 20, verse 27, it says, There came to him some Sadducees, those who deny that there is a resurrection. Now, I want to just stop right there. We begin with the, the writer Luke. Uh, he wrote the book of Luke. He's writing now how, as Jesus was teaching, some Sadducee guys came up to ask him a question. We're going to get into that question in a moment. Now, Matthew, there's a parallel passage of the same story, Matthew chapter 22. And verse 23 shows that this actually happened on the same day. And that's the same day, uh, uh, the same time, or right after, uh, that Jesus was asked a question about paying taxes. And that's what we saw last time. Remember, that was like about Wednesday of Jesus' last week. He's heading toward a cross. By Friday, he's going to be hanging on the cross. And, and that's what we're heading toward in the, the, the last chapters here of Luke, Luke. And so you remember last time in the section above, these spies, undercover guys of the Pharisees and all, came and asked about paying taxes to Caesar and Rome, if that was okay. And last time we saw from verse 20 to 26, the title was paying taxes and honoring God. That we had, to, that was what Jesus basically talked about. And if you missed it, you could catch our podcast or our archive video, say on YouTube, or even look it up on Facebook. But now as we move on here, this is the same day. So I remember I said it was probably Wednesday he was teaching in the temple and in, in Solomon's porch in those Lanai area on the outskirts of the outer court there. And here's these Sadducees that came up to Jesus while he was teaching to ask him a, a question. Now, the Sadducees, if you remember, we've talked about them before, but I'll, mention, I'll, I'll, def, I'll talk about them again and just to remind you that, remember, they're the ruling group or the ruling party of several parties that make up the Sanhedrin, which is like the high court of Israel. There's a 70-member uh, court or group of a council, and these guys, um, the Sadducees, were the ruling group. They were like the top guys. And, and these guys, they, they held control of the Sanhedrin. So they had control ruling over Israel. Rome allowed them to have that and do that just for their things, the Jewish things. And then, so these guys were, were really at the top of the imposition, right, of, of all of Israel. And at this time, the Sadducees, this party, this group, they were at, at, at they were the at the top of the priests. They held the position of the high priest, the top position over the Sanhedrin. So Luke introduces us and says, "Well, now these Sadducee guys they come up, these powerful top guys." And then Luke preps what is going to happen by telling us in verse 27. These Sadducees are those who deny that there is a resurrection. In other words, they did not believe of life after death. That's basically it, that there is no life after death. Basically, you just cease to exist after they die. No soul goes on, no spirit or anything like that. So interesting, I mean, these are Jewish priests, uh, the religious leaders, that they hold to that belief. So picture this. There's this small delegation, a representative of all the Sadducees. They come up. They walk in. They, they come in with their robes and fancy gear and everything. And they come in and they walk in. And 
and it's very intimidating because these are the top guys of all of Israel. And here they come. They walk right up to Jesus on that day. The Sadducees, now picture really, these were very, very powerful people. And like I mentioned, you know, they're, they're up there in Jewish society. They're on top. They controlled the Sanhedrin. They controlled, and remember, they maintained that whole temple operation, right? The merchants and the money changers. That They got very wealthy in that business there. Remember, they're like a syndicate. They're running all this thing. And, and you remember how Jesus overturned the tables and, you know, dumped all the money, the change and everything. And they even had their own temple police. So these, these guys were, were heavies walking in. So socially, in the Jewish community, they were on top. Politically, uh, they had actually the backing of Rome. Uh, Rome gave the Sadducees like power over the Jews and say, yeah, you guys, you know, and, and, and through political favors, manipulation, you can imagine, right? They, they were the ones that Rome really liked and would want them to stay in power. And so the Pharisees, another party ruling power, they hated these guys because these guys were in cahoots with, with Rome. So socially, they're on top. Politically, they had the backing of Rome. Theologically, since they had those power, they were pretty prominent in what they believed. Now, understand, they believed only that the Pentateuch was valid. The first five books of the Bible in the Old Testament, uh, first five books in the Old Testament, they said that was real scripture. The rest of Old Testament, uh, it's not. And they also, as I mentioned, they did not believe in an afterlife. And so there's nothing there after you die. So you know what What came along with that? They did not believe in angels or demons. They didn't believe in heaven or hell. And, and, and they didn't even believe in miracles. I mean, that, that was the ex- extent of all theologically what they believed in. So they were, they were pretty strong and you know, powerful in this. And so they, they basically... Um, ended up, you know, being very powerful, being very wealthy. And you can imagine, they were basically, the Sadducees were really all about money, the material goods in the earth, and power. And so that's why they are sad, you see. You get it? Sad, you see. Sad, you see, right? <laughs> the Pharisees won't fare, you see, but these guys were sad. I mean, think about this. No wonder they put everything into this life on earth. If they didn't believe that, well, after you die, that's it, right? Because this is it. This is all you have. So you got to put everything into what is going on right now, your life on earth. But we know the truth, don't we? We know, we know the truth that there is more, right? After we die here, there is more. More. I was thinking about what Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 19 through verse 20, the first part. He said, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up yourselves treasures in heaven. So that, that's what we understand. So you can imagine these guys who don't believe in laying up their treasures in heaven, they're going to lay it all up here. On the earth. So that's the Sadducees coming in, and primarily because it's going to relate to their question for Jesus, is they deny the resurrection. There is no life after death. All right, take a look at verse 28 now. 
So these Sadducees, they come up and they asked him, asked Jesus a question saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, having a wife but no children, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. So that's really good that, that Sadducees come up and their delegation, they come to Jesus and say, Hey, Jesus, we, we, we got this question. Now, this is a setup. You've got to understand, this is a total setup. They're trying to set Jesus up. They are trying to set him up to fail here. But they, they bring in a law of Moses, which is really in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 5 and 6. And it's what is known as the lever, uh, leverate, leverate ma- marriage or le- leverite marriage. And it's Latin for brother-in-law, leverite. So it's a brother-in-law marriage where just as what he they said here in quoting Moses that if if a married man dies without kids, then the brother next in line is obligated to marry the widowed wife. Why? So to produce an heir, to keep the family line going, and to also not lose their land. Now, that was the issue, if you guys remember reading Ruth, you know, that that was sort of the issue surrounding that. So these guys come, hey, you know, you know this, what Moses said, yeah, about how it's important, you know, keep the family line. Uh, if a man dies, no kids, then, you know, the brother got to marry, right? And, and, and of course, they bring that up. They, they're setting Jesus up. And, yeah, this is valid. This is scripture, right? Well, they go on here. So, but how about this situation? They give this, like, hypothetical case here now. And so they say in verse 29, now, there were seven brothers. The first took a wife and died without children. And the second, and the third took her. And likewise, all seven left no children and died. Afterward, the women died also. In the resurrection, verse 33, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had her as a wife. So you get what's going on, right? There was a man. They say, oh, here's, here's, this, here's this hypothetical case. What? Well, you know, so they're setting Jesus up, and they're saying, look, he, he married this woman, but then he died. He had seven, you know, brothers, and, you know, um, um, there were seven brothers. I mean, he had six brothers, and he died. And so the second guy went and uh, married a wife to keep, but then he died without kids. So the third one, and then, and, but then he died. And then so the fourth one married the same wife. And then, but he died without kids. And then the fifth one, then sixth one, and finally the seventh one married without children. But then he died, and then the wife died. And then now, okay, they're in heaven. Then, well, who is she really married to? So they're like, okay, so this leads to this question now. And they look at it as sort of an impossible question to answer. And so they throw out this question, well, whose wife will the woman be then? Who would really, you know, think of something like this? Well, well, they did, because this was something that they would argue. This was the controversy that they, ongoing controversies that was happening between the Pharisees and Sadducees, because the Pharisees believed in life after death. The Sadducees didn't. So they would use this to stump the, the Pharisees. So they tell this story and they pose this question. I don't know, I was thinking my first question would be, why didn't the 
seventh brother just run away, you know, something, there's a pattern, something going on here, right? But this was what was going on between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so the Sadducees would use this to catch the Pharisees because they were so opposite, you know, in their belief of the resurrection. You know, what comes to mind to me is when Paul was arrested and brought before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 23. And in verse 6 of Acts 23, it says that Paul, he perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other part were Pharisees. So he cried out how in this trial that he's a Pharisee, a son of a Pharisee, and he has he he's only on trial because of his hope in the resurrection of the dead. He was talking about Jesus. And, well, that split the whole council, took the focus off of Paul, and the Pharisees started to support Paul. So you understand there's this big, clash, you know, between these two parties, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, on this subject. Now, to understand this a little more and why they pose this question, the Pharisees also held to this belief that whatever physical, like, uh, effects or scars, like, around your body or clothes you even have on, that's what you're going to have in the afterlife. Isn't that strange? So that includes who you're married to. So they believe in afterlife, who you're married to, you're going to be with that, your wife there in the afterlife. So that's what they believe. So that's why the Sadducees came up with this scenario to stump the Pharisees. And they were assuming Jesus was like the Pharisees because he talked about about, uh, resurrection after death. So they thought, oh, we, just like we did the Pharisees, we're going to stump Jesus as they stumped the Pharisees and with this hypothetical scenario, all to embarrass Jesus, to discredit him so they could put him down. So that's why they come in with this question. So we see here, the Sadducees approach Jesus with their best logic to embarrass him with an unanswerable question. At least that's what they thought. They approach Jesus with their best logic to embarrass him with an unanswerable question. I like this story, an old story about this philosophy professor who wanted to embarrass any Christians in his class. And um, so he asked this question one day. He, he, he threw these questions, actually, a series of, of questions, and he, it went like this. He threw out, has anyone in the class heard God? Nobody spoke. Has anyone in the class touched God? Then there was just silence. Has anyone here seen God? And it was still quiet. Then the professor says, then you see there is no God. But there was one Christian student there in the class who boldly raised his hand and asked permission to give a reply. The professor, being curious, agreed to the rebuttal. So the student stood up and said, Has anyone in the class heard the professor's brain? Has anyone in the class touched the professor's brain? Has anyone in the class seen the professor's brain? No one has, so then it must be true the professor has no brain. By the way, he got an A for that. (laughs) (laughs) That's good, right? But listen, sometimes... You know, we, we think we have this logic. We think we have it together. but And we go against God. 
But the best logic cannot compete against God's wisdom, His knowledge, His truth. Especially our logic if it's not based on His truth. And that's why we need this. That's why we need the Bible in our lives. That's why we need to correctly understand what the scriptures are saying, what the what the principles and what God is saying to us so, so that our life could be based on the truth and not on wrong thinking. Yeah, that's what these these guys. Well, I, they kind of formulated these things and they didn't take the whole Old Testament as God's word as we do today. Or as the Pharisees did, they said, no, we're just going to take the first five. They picked and choose. And in their own logic, they come up with this, no, there is no resurrection. And they come up with this hypothetical question to stump those who do believe in the resurrection. So it's real important to, to have this book, the truths in this book, in us, in our thinking, when, especially when it comes to the subject of life after death. All right, so that's the controversy. So they bring it all up. Now we come to the correction. And this is Jesus' answer. Uh, the next two sections, actually, but we begin with number two, the correction. We're going to be covering verse 34 through 36 here. But first of all, verse 34 and 35. And Jesus said to them, the sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy to attain to that age and to the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. So we'll stop there. Now Jesus answers this question. And it's actually in, in well, I guess I was going to say two parts, but in our next section we'll see a third part. But in this section we're going to see two parts. So he answers this this whole issue about marriage and whose wife is is you know this going to be with the seven brothers so he says in verse um 34 he, he says you know the sons of this age in other words the people of this age or life here on earth basically people living in this life here you know what they do marry and they're given in marriage he says that's what happens with life on earth in other words you know what? Marriage is for life here on earth. But then he goes on, verse 35, and says, But those who are considered worthy to attain to that age. What is that age? The afterlife. Or we can say heaven, because he said, But those who are considered worthy. In other words, he's really talking about people are going to heaven, and we know today those who go to heaven are those who believe in Christ Jesus, who have been their sins have been atoned for by Christ's blood who died on the cross. So in belief in Jesus, accepting Jesus, you're considered worthy, righteousness is put upon you, and you can attain, you can go to heaven. So for those people, those believers who are saved uh, and are that go to heaven to the resurrection from the dead, in other words, where they remember our resurrection from the dead when we we receive our glorified body. That's the resurrection from the dead. Who receive their glorified body. So the saved people who receive their glorified body, what does he say? Well, <clears throat> he says that uh, they neither marry nor are given in marriage. The same phrase yeah, that is in the verse above about people on earth. They're, they marry are given in marriage. 
But there is no marriage in heaven. So the scenario that the Sadducees are putting forth about seven brothers marrying a wife here on earth and then whose wife is he going to be in heaven, right? This unanswerable and impossible question, it, it doesn't, it's not valid. There's really, you know, because there's no marriage in heaven. So this is the correction to their wrong thinking that Jesus is helping them with. This is God speaking here, right? Giving this truth. There's no marriage in heaven. But why is that? Why is there no marriage in heaven? Well, let me give you a couple of things. Um, in, in heaven, um, basically, there's no need to continue to human continue the human race because there's no death, right? You don't have to have kids and you have to continue your line. Like like in a Leverite marriage, right? Um, where you got to continue the family line and all that. There's no need because there's no death. And there's no inheritance laws or property rights. They no longer apply, so you don't need to have an heir to pass on your property, your land to the next generation because there's no death. And another thing is that the saved believers will have actually a close relationship with Jesus in a way like a marriage, a closeness, as we know the church is the bride of Christ. If there's anything about marriage, it's about that. Yeah. But it really speaks about our very close relationship we have with Jesus. And the closeness of, of, relation, uh, of that relationship in marriage will now be able to be shared with every believer. You see, there's no more sin, no more flesh, uh, no more sorrow, no more hurt, and all of that. We're, we can be perfectly close now. We can be perfectly loving and, and in a perfect relationship with one another in this perfect life as we live together with God. So Jesus puts this answer out basically saying this, this first answer, this, there is no longer any need for marriage in heaven. No need. No more. It, it's, it's a whole different thing now in heaven. Um, the other day, we were watching some TV series, and it, the time was set years ago. And, and you, you know how old this is because they pulled out this floppy disk. Remember? Um, uh, not the big five and a quarter, but I don't, they still call it, huh? The plastic heart, the, the three and a half ones, floppy disk, yeah? And I remember uh, when that was coming out, and back then, you know, this was technology, right? Wow, that floppy disk holds 1.44 megabytes, you know? It's like, whoa, wow. I mean, you think about compared to today, a flash drive is what, Stephen? A thousand times more or so, depending on how big your flash drive is. You know, now it holds gigabytes, yeah, than just a megabyte, you know. And But do we need floppy disks? No, because of technology and the age we live in, right? No need, right? We, we don't need. I, I think um, years ago I was going through some old stuff and I found something thinking, do I need to keep this? I can't even read it anymore. I don't have a computer. Just threw them away. Well, in the same way, in heaven, marriage is no longer needed. No, it's, uh, there's no need for it. I know some people may say, may, some people may be happy to hear, oh, yeah, no marriage in heaven. <laughs> but others may be concerned, what about, 
well, what about my wife? What about my husband? Uh, will I get still get to be near him or near her? And I believe, yes, I think so. I think we will be able to uh, uh, hang out, you know, with our spouses who are on earth. And, you know, like my wife is like my best friend. And so it'd be great to, you know, of course, hang out together in, in heaven. And so I'm going to find her and choose to spend eternity with, with her, if she lets me, of course. But <laughs> next to being with God, we're going to be all together in heaven and in a close relationship. Just listen to this, and I can put it on the screen, but Richard Baxter, this Puritan, wrote this. I know that Christ is all in all, and that is the presence of God that makes heaven to be heaven. I like that, yeah? What makes heaven heaven? God is there, right? He goes on to say, but yet it much sweetens the thoughts of that place to me that there are there such a multitude of my most dear and precious friends in Christ. I like that. So there may not be marriage in heaven, but there is still close relationships like our marriage uh, with everyone, with one another. All right. So then Jesus goes on here uh, to clarify a little bit more about heaven and their thinking about life after death. So in verse 36, he says, For they, that's the believers, they cannot die anymore because they are equal to angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. So he says, they cannot die no more. This is the state of eternity. Yeah, it's not. In other words, it's not like the life here on earth. The physical realm here. Eternity is something different. I mean, I mentioned that, I think, right last Sunday when, in the book of Revelation. That's the same idea. So Jesus is like, you can't assume that things are the same in heaven as they are here on earth. That's what he's saying. That's, that's what these Sadducees are assuming. That, oh, just like it's here on earth, is, that's what life is after death. Well, you cannot assume that. Uh, because especially because... If you're saved, you're not going to die anymore. Then Jesus adds, adds this about the saved in heaven. He says, because they are equal to angels. Now, I think this is great because, first of all, Jesus is saying, you know what? There are angels. Yeah. You guys don't believe in angels, but no, there are angels. Yeah, And which must mean there's demons too, you know, fallen angels in that. And that fact. So, and then the second thing he's saying that believers, the saved who are in heaven, they are equal. Now, a better translation, I think, for this word equal, so you don't get confused, is like. They are like angels. Uh, a lot of the lexicon says angel like, you know. Believers are angel like. So we're like angels. So, Jesus is not saying we become angels, but we're like the angels. So we don't, there's nothing in scripture that says we become angels and we get wings and we fly around. There's, there's nothing about that. Here he's just saying we're like the angels. Well, in what way? Well, we're going to have our glorified bodies, eternal bodies. Yeah? 
We're not going to die. We'll be deathless. We're not confined to any physical laws. I think that's going to be the interesting thing in the millennium, that we will have our glorified bodies as we rule and reign on the earth. And where there's physical living people during the millennium, we're, we're going to be going in and out. You know, like how Jesus appeared and disappeared and went through walls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to be like the angels, like angels appearing and coming. And so we're not confined to physical laws. We're not bound with time. Think about that, yeah? Because eternity, there's no time. And so he's saying they're like angels in that way. And like angels live with God. The save is going to be living with God. So basically, heaven is a way different dimension here. Then Jesus says here in uh, verse 36, and are sons of God, or the NLT puts it, children of God, and being sons of the resurrection. In other words, they have been resurrected like Jesus will be or has in heaven. His resurrection. Remember, he's the first one to go. and we're, we're, He's the first fruit. He's the one who resurrected. And now we can be resurrected from the dead and given our glorified bodies. I think about um, Romans 6, 5, where it says, For we have been united with him in death like him, like his. We shall uh, certainly be united with him in re- a resurrection like his. So, there's definitely life after death and heaven for believers. So this is the correction to their wrong thinking, and I would say to their limited view. You know, in the parallel uh, account of this in Matthew 22, verse 29, it says, But Jesus answered them, You are wrong because you know neither the Scriptures nor the power of God. And I like that. Yeah? Because the Sadducees, in their limited thinking, and their limited view, they only saw things in, in how they can figure it out. Yeah? But Jesus say, no, 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 you're, you're wrong. Because you, you don't understand what the Scriptures are really saying, and you don't understand the power of what God can do. God's not limited to just this physical universe, right? He's in eternity, and he can make eternity into anything he wants and make us into beings for eternity. So Jesus, secondly here, now address really their view. And here's the point in this part, is the Sadducees base their view on life after death according to their wrong assumptions. That's what they did. They took their logic and then assumed these things and filled it all in. Yeah, They, they filled in the blank according to their assumptions here. You know, I was thinking about the physicist and really the famous atheist Stephen Hawking. He declared that there is no heaven. He called it a fairy story because he, he, he boasted that uh, he based that view from science. But just because he says it, does it make it true? Isn't it him just making assumptions to his science and what he sees, but is his science the truth? I mean, does he know all things? 
You know, when it, why I say this is because when it comes to our eternal future, which is what Jesus is talking about, right? It, we cannot just make assumptions of things, yeah? Oh, grandma told me this, you know, kind of thing. Is it true? Is it really? You have to search the scriptures for yourself. You have to search the truth and see. You cannot just make assumptions or believe what someone may say about. We have to seek the truth and find it out here in the Bible. And that's important because if Jesus is saying there's life after death, we we better know, you know, if that's true or not because our eternity is at stake. Yeah. So it's super important here. The Sadducees, they base their view on life after death according to their wrong assumptions here. We don't want to do that because it's so vital, so important on what we believe on life after death. All right, we've seen the controversy. We've seen uh, the correction. And now, number three, the confirmation, the confirmation. Now we're going to finish up our section here, verse 37 through 40. Um, we're going to finish up our passage for tonight, but first take a look at 37 and 38. Verse 38 says, But that the dead are raised, even Moses showed in the passage about the bush, where he calls the Lord, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is not God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. So Jesus kind of finishes up in really talking to them about the resurrection. And he's like, okay, but you know on this issue about the dead being raised, about the resurrection, you know on that issue, you know Moses even proved it. Moses showed there is a resurrection of the dead. Because you remember that passage. So Jesus brings in scripture now. Exodus chapter 3. You remember when Moses comes face to face with God in the burning bush. And in, with that, in, uh, while he was there, remember, uh, in front of the burning bush and God's presence is there, God introduces himself to Moses. And he says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Both in the uh, parallel passages of this account, Matthew 22 and Mark 12, they emphasize this by writing how Jesus quoting this uh, this way, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. Uh, Isaac. I am. So um, those accounts add that I am, and it's not I was, but I am. So that's why then Jesus says, God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. For these guys all live to him. In other words, they're alive because of God, and so there is uh uh, life after death. So Jesus is saying that Scripture proves, right? This is the, the confirmation there is life after death. Now, with this, though, I do want to say that it doesn't mean everyone goes to heaven. Yeah. And we understand that, right? I've I already been talking about that. It's only through Jesus Christ and accepting him and his atonement for your sins, that you can go to heaven. But if you don't, you go to hell. And that, that is still uh, being alive after death. Acts 24:15, the second part says, there will be a resurrection 
of both the just and the unjust. So in verse 37 and 38, I mean, excuse me, verse 39 and 40, it says, Then some of the scribes answered and said, Teacher, you have spoken well. And then it says, for they no longer dared to ask him any question. Now, in verse 39, notice it says, then some of the scribes. Now, remember, most of the scribes, they were Pharisees. So, of course, the Pharisee guys are going, oh, teacher, yeah, yeah, give it give it to him, give it to him, right? Because they're uh, they, Jesus had really um, come against the Sadducees and answered, you know, very wisely their unanswerable question. But then it says, for they, and I believe this is the real, all the religious leaders, Sadducees and Pharisees, they no longer dared to ask him any question. Because first, really, it was most of the scribes who came about the taxes and stuff, and then the Pharisees before that, earlier in their chapter, about that the parable of the wicked tenants. So they're like, oh, uh, they're, they're silence. Yeah? They don't want to be shamed by Jesus anymore. So the religious leaders they realized they could not stop Jesus in the truth of Jesus. You know, this confirmation of from Exodus 3, it was like a solid wall that was built up against any of their tasks. Every time Jesus spoke in, in answering them in this chapter, it's like he put up a, a wall of truth which they could not get through. Now, with that in mind, you know, the, the sad thing for me is here in our passage and even in this chapter, the sad thing is what is missing here. The religious leaders did not repent of their wrong, didn't repent of their thinking. They did not repent of their sins. Yeah, It wasn't like they're really seeking truth. They just wanted to bring Jesus down, shame him, yeah, in, in front of the people. Sadly, they did not hear what Jesus is saying. Like like the Sadducees, did they really hear that, oh, wow, Moses actually was, was speaking of the resurrection. And Exodus is part of the first five books of the, the Bible. It's part of what they believe to be valid scripture. Yet, you don't read them going, oh, okay, I get it, Jesus, you're right. But they stubbornly got harder against Jesus. And we know in, in just days, Jesus would be hanging on the cross. See, even being confronted with the truth, they did not respond in a change of life. So the last thing I want you to see is this. Even after all the proof in Scripture, they still rejected the truth and did nothing about it. They could not do nothing, right? They're like, oh, they no longer dare to ask him any questions. And they did not do nothing as far as it comes to their own lives. You know, years ago, um, our family was blessed with a Toyota van that was purchased in this auction, and it was fixed and then donated to us. And it was great. We only had one car, so <laughs> praise the Lord for that. And um, I found out uh, from the mechanic who who fixed it and donated um, that the main thing that was wrong with the van was uh, was because it wasn't running, you know, but he found out that the oil was never changed. So whoever the previous owner was, and all, that never changed the oil. 
you know, kind of thing. And 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 the the owner did nothing in that way. Well, I have to confess, I did a similar thing later with the same van. Um, I had a note, you know, pop up on my computer like, oh, change oil. I go, yeah, I I knew it was. It was time, you know. Trying to, you know, how every three, five thousand miles you gotta change oil. I knew what I needed to do, but I, I did nothing. Oh, I thought next week, yeah. Oh, I'm too busy. I'm, I'm too busy. Oh, 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 it's not the right time. Uh, when I finally weeks later got around to changing the oil, the mechanic told me that the oil was black, and it, it you know, the viscosity was gone. It was more like water, and you know what? I knew better. I knew better, I, and I did the same thing as these guys. You know? The truth is right there. I mean, you can hear this story, and you can say, "Wow, those guys! You know, they had this agenda. Oh, they're so bad! Oh, you know, oh, that's crazy what they did. How they didn't care about the truth and finding out that really finding an answer to their question." But we do the same thing. God speaks to us, and what? How do we respond? Do we really want the truth in our lives? Do we really want Jesus in our lives? Do we really want to live for Jesus? Is it, is it something real, or do we just sit here or connect in and listen to these studies? And it does it really affect our life? Does what we're learning here, what the Word of God says, what God put in here to speak to us? Does it really matter? It should. To these guys, ah, they dare not ask them any question. They want they didn't want to do nothing, and they did nothing with that truth. Listen, today, tonight, the truth is staring you in the face. There is life after death. But the question is, where will you spend that eternity? In heaven or hell? That's the reality. That's what we see in the Bible. I'll tell you, it's better to be resurrected into the life in heaven. So will you give your life to Christ now? Will you recommit your life? Will you make sure that, no, you are counted worthy because of the blood of Christ, because of the robe of righteousness that God puts upon us. He makes us fit for heaven, not us. It's what Jesus did on the cross. And when you accept Him, when you receive Him, when you believe in the Lord Jesus and what He did on dying on the cross, when you believe that this Son of God did all that because He loves you, you know what? You're saved. And then when you die, you're going to be resurrected and have a resurrected body with God in heaven. I'll close with this. Uh, one pastor, Joseph Parker, when his wife passed away, he he could not bring himself to write the word died on her tombstone. So instead he wrote ascended. And then when that passed, when this pastor, when Parker went to be home, go home with the to the Lord, his family and friends had uh, on his headstone Inscribe this, J. Parker, born April 9, 1830, November 28, 1902, ascended. I like that. I like that because that's so true. 
And that's how sure we can be because in Jesus, he resurrected from the dead. And so we can rise from the dead too. So know where you will go. Know for sure by receiving Jesus. And you'll know that truly there is a true life after death. Let's pray. Lord, as we <clears throat> come to a close here and as we are um, going to worship you one more time, God, I, I, I pray that you would set within our hearts and minds, Lord, what we have learned tonight and that we understand that there is truly life after death. We don't cease to exist. There's no <clears throat> question about it, Lord. But the question is, where we're going to dwell in eternity. Where we'll be lost in our sins and spend eternity in hell. Or will we go to heaven? Jesus, you loved us so much that you gave your life and sacrificed yourself so that we have a way to heaven. We have a way to live. And, and, and God, that's your love. You, you want to rescue us and and we know what that means, those of us who have received Jesus. We know how we've been rescued from our sin, from ourself. Lord, you've forgiven us. You lifted, God, that guilt and regret. And we're free from the bondage of sin. And we, we're, we're children now, God. And we can live for you. And, and so, Lord, I pray for anyone here, pray for anyone connected online right now that if they have never given their life to Christ, that they would do that right now. If you, if there's someone who has wandered away and backslid, that this is the time to recommit your life to Jesus. And Lord, I pray for anyone who is in that place, God. Maybe you've wandered for a week or a day and, and, and you've wandered far. It's time to come back. Time to s secure your future, your destiny in heaven. Lord, I pray for anyone who's in that place. If you are in that place and you have this yearning right now in your heart. It's burning. It's inside of you and you want to accept Jesus. Just just repeat after me. Just say, Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I repent before you right now. I want to give you my heart. I want to give you my life. Lord, I accept you into my heart. Lord, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Lord, I believe you rose again from the dead. And, and as I surrender my life to you, make me a new creation. Cleanse me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And help me to walk with you right now. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, 
I want you. I give my life to you now. In Jesus' name, amen.